It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years, and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in-depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League, its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. So, about that Super League. Well, in the words of Emily Latella, a character made famous by Gilda Radner on Saturday Night Live, Never mind. Welcome to another edition of Hands Off Those Balls. My name is Mike. I am joined, as always, by Jared. Jared, how are you doing this week? I'm doing okay, Mike. How about yourself? Not too bad. So, um, uh, dated reference, the Emily Latella. Do you recognize that one? I do. Am I, am I showing yeah. my age here with that one? All right, good. Um, so, seems kind of appropriate, given what transpired minutes after we posted last week's episode. That, that didn't take long. <laughs> it really didn't. Uh, so as many of you, well, come on, there aren't many listening as, <laughs> as some of you may already know, uh, the European super league that we were talking about last week appears to have gone the way of the Dodo before it even started. Uh, so we figure we will cover how that all happened. Uh, so let's, uh, get things started by stepping into the Wayback machine. And going all the way back to last Tuesday, <laughs> or actually, let's go one one day farther. Let's go to Monday, April nineteenth. Um, so Leeds and Liverpool are playing a match that day, and I think we might have even talked about it when we were recording. Yeah, um, what we couldn't see uh, looking in at uh, Ellen Road was the fact that there were apparently 700 fans or so outside the park protesting the whole European Super League business. Um, there were banners. You know how they got these banners that they drape over the seats because they don't have fans? Um, and, and it appears to be the club that's doing that. It'll be, you know, the, the slogans of the club or big old... You know, imagery associated with the club, like their logo, whatever, um, covering up all the seats. And so apparently, at well, not apparently, you could see them at uh, Ellen Road. They had some that said, earn it on the pitch. Football is for the fans. Again, in keeping with the concern that was raised by all of the people that we talked about last week having 
lost their damn minds about the the prospect of a European Super League, be it former players, former um, uh, or current members of the media, fans, journalists, members of government, all these people that were expressing outrage at the prospect of this you know, clo- sort of closed league in which the permanent members would never have to worry about things like relegation. They'd automatically be um, invited back next year no matter how poorly they played um, in that given year. So that's where you get Leeds fans saying, earn it on the pitch. So in addition to the banners that were over the chairs, or the seats at Ellen Road, um, apparently, according to, well, the, the Leeds players during pre-match warm-ups were wearing shirts that said, earn it, football is for the fans. I think it was earn it on the front and football is for the fans on the back or something like that. And that was obviously a statement by the Leeds players sticking it to the Liverpool players um, who were sharing the field during these pregame warm-ups. Well, in addition to that, and we learned this after the game, thanks to Jurgen Klopp's um, post-match you know, little gaggle interview that he gives um, right immediately, you know, that any manager or, or uh, important player in a game gives right after the match, he told the media that somebody hung those shirts in the lockers of the Liverpool dressing room Ooh. before the match Yikes! as a statement right in your face to those guys and and Klopp didn't take kindly to that and you know he was being a, a good dude about it. he's looking out for his people um you know this wasn't a player's decision to join this super league this is whoever put hung these shirts up in the lockers are sending a message to the players the players have nothing to do with it you know you want to hang a shirt in john henry's uh, yeah you know walk in Probably a better target there. <laughs> Walk-in closet with his eight thousand, uh, you know, Armani suits. Go right ahead. Yeah. But um, players didn't have any say in this, so that was a little off as far as the the targeting, shall we say? Um, but you did have those fans outside, you know, so, sort of storming the Bastille. Move on to Tuesday. Tuesday you had Chelsea hosting Brighton at Stamford Bridge, and you had another big congregation of, of fans protesting the European Super League. You had the fan clubs, they're sometimes called trusts, for each of the big six put out statements of outrage at the prospect of the European Super League and, and basically articulating all of the, the problems with it that we talked about last week. Uh, that it's just a money grab, that uh, this isn't looking out for the fans, it's not looking at, it's it's not in keeping with the traditions of English football, and uh, that it's just a bad idea for everybody except the owners of the clubs. So, uh, just really ripping the plan. So, you started to hear some rumblings around this time that some of the owners were getting a little squeamish about really d- going through with this. And so in my mind, it, let's let's speak in terms of British time. So mid-afternoon Tuesday of last week. So you've seen the, the protest at Ellen Road. You've seen the protest at Sanford Bridge. You've got everybody and their cousin who, who has a loud voice 
expressing outrage about this plan Sunday night, Monday into Tuesday. And you've now also got the fans like taken to the streets. The fan clubs are putting out these statements just ripping uh, the teams for doing it. And so it seems at this point, the clubs, the six clubs in the Premier League that were going to be part of this had three options, as I see it. Uh, option one is I will call uh, go full Jerry Jones. So uh, Jerry Jones being the owner and general manager, a combination of titles which, which right there tells you everything you need to know about Jerry yes, Jones. It does. Uh, owner and general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, um, who, you know, has, has been a very successful businessman over his career and has, has never missed a way to earn a buck. I'm not necessarily saying that's a terrible thing. What I'm saying is those interests do not always run parallel to the interests of a football team and its fans. I will leave it at that. So if, if you go full Jerry Jones, you do whatever the hell you want that's going to make you more money and you don't give a rat's patoot about what the fans of your team think because at the end of the day, they don't really matter. Now, this is an attitude that's not just held by Jerry Jones. It's held by most owners in America because the leagues in America are closed. It's the franchise system where the owners own all of the team. I mean, if they're in a, an ownership group, that's a little different. But my, my point is you don't have to worry about the input of fans all that much. They charge us a gazillion dollars for tickets, for parking, for you know a $20 box of popcorn, and we're idiots who keep paying it. Yeah. And the owners know it. They know we'll never leave. And any anytime anytime we get upset, I'm a Jets fan. Anytime I get upset that the New York Jets make boneheaded front office decisions and I say, I'm never gonna watch this team again. If the owners heard me, they would turn around and laugh because they know it's not true. Yeah. Just like he'll, it's not true right for back. every other fan. So that's what I mean when I say go full Jerry Jones. Just ignore all the noise and say this is what we're doing because we're going to make we're going to share four billion dollars that we're going to get from J.P. Morgan Chase. So screw you, people. We don't care. All right, that's option one. Option two is they could have caved with some sniveling news dump non-apology that gets released on Friday after close of business where they just quietly back away from the Super League. They issue a statement with a bunch of passive voice. You know, mistakes were made. Um, you know, people were not consulted. You know, that, that sort of, if anyone was offended, yeah, we're interest, sorry. Interests you know, were not considered. Yeah, yeah. those non-apology BS statements that, that politicians put out all the time when the, their hand gets caught in some sort of cookie jar. They could have gone that way and just sort of, waited out the outrage and gone about their their business pre-announcement of the Super League. That's option two. Option three was uh, that they could genuflect in the snow like Holy Roman Emperor Henry IV did <laughs> and beg Pope Gregory VII's uh, mercy and forgiveness and to to beg to to have the excommunication rescinded and admitted back into the church. This is 
This is an old historical reference that you might remember from your, your high school history class where this Holy Roman Emperor got excommunicated because he appointed his, his own bishops or something and the Pope was upset and kicked him out of the church. So this, this guy, Henry IV, it said, like, walked across the Alps <laughs> to get to... Uh, to get to the Vatican, and or maybe not even the Vatican. It probably was, uh, well, let's say northern Italy at least, because I know that the 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 seat of the papacy kind of moved around over the years. I'm not yeah. quite sure they were down in Rome, you know, in the 11th century or whatever. But what is northern Italy? Is that like Florence area? I don't know. My well, that's geography. that's north of Rome. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's that's like on the eastern towards the eastern coast i'm more thinking like alps okay Italy. Yeah, yeah. um so anyway because part of the reason that it can't have been the vatican is because the story goes that he knelt in the snow for three days begging for forgiveness so they don't really get snow in rome so sounds like one of those walked in the snow uphill, uphill both ways, ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh so so that's the story just go full you know the 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 blues begging system, as Cliff Huxtable explained it to, uh, um, uh, oh, come on, who's the son on the Cosby Show? Theo. Theo, thank you. Um, to Theo when he, you know, screwed up with a girlfriend and was begging for her to take him back. Was, <laughs> Cliff was explaining to him that he had to employ the blues begging system, uh, which is basically just weeping on your knees. <laughs> So that's option three that the owners could do. And speaking as a fan of American sports and watching the, the leadership of American sports franchises over the years, I never for a minute thought that option three was on the table. And then you watched the big six ownership groups come out with their statements on Tuesday into Wednesday, and they were as contrite and apologetic and on their knees in the snow as you possibly could be to my shock wow and you know all six clubs put out statements that that are begging their fans for forgiveness and it really is directed at the fans and there was no bs you know if anyone was offended um, it was, we screwed up, we are sorry. Now, some of them did lace their apology statements with a little bit of, we still think the system is kind of broken and needs to be worked on uh, for everybody's benefit, but this was the wrong way to go about it, and we're sorry, and, and all the rest of it. John Henry, who I keep bringing up because he's, you know, the, the principal owner of Liverpool Football Club and also the principal owner of Boston Red Sox, the, the baseball team that I hate more than anything. So I keep bringing him up as this evil, miserly club <laughs> owner. He put out a video of just him speaking to the camera, and I don't th know that it was scripted. He, he certainly had his thoughts well ordered at the beginning, but towards the second half, he, he sounded more extemporaneous so I maybe the beginning was scripted and then he just kind of went from the heart with the rest of the statement but he was he was fully apologetic hat in hand the whole thing uh, Manchester United their executive vice president was a guy named Ed Woodward he was one of the driving forces for this thing he had to put in his res resignation so he's gone if I um, 
the uh, what's what's interesting is that the fan groups and 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 trusts as as some of them go by, they're still mad, and they're like, oh, I could see that, yeah, they're pushing for some of these owners to sell the clubs. There, I mean, I know we do that here. That that never happens. Yeah, but you almost wonder, given given how quick things turned around last week with the Super League, maybe it could happen over there that that fan discontent is appreciated much more, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, over in England is, is made clear by all of this. Um, if not, they're calling for if, if the teams, if the owners won't sell the teams, then maybe at least the Premier League could put some sanctions out to make sure this doesn't happen again. That seems to be the other concern of the, uh, the fan groups. Uh, again, I, I just find it remarkable. The, the little guy successfully applied pressure on team owners to do the right thing and to do it this fast. Yeah. I mean, I, I might get the details of this wrong, but I was hearing sort of a news report. But J.P. Morgan also had to publish, like 48 hours later, a retort slash apology saying, and, you know, they were the ones that were going to invest the $4 billion right. in this. So they're basically saying we totally misread the interest here and the situation and you know we're we're sorry for you know so i um, didn't know that one and that that's almost more shocking because i mean the bank they're just gonna be the faceless financiers absolutely they don't have to read any room they're they're just they're just there for the money but again their name is associated with yeah that's true then maybe they figure that you know the next college freshman may not get their visa card from chase i suppose is, is their concern but just again amazing as an american to watch what happened and, and the speed with which i mean we can't even get rid of the the silly seven inning double headers that are happening over yeah. here was it was that too soon a little bit <laughs> but but he's not on the giants anymore so i don't care right oh so, he's not i didn't yeah. even realize yeah, he's that. on the diamondbacks oh well then it's fine yeah. well, what we're talking about here is um last night uh, well, let me back up. So in Major League Baseball last season when they played a shortened 60-game season, one of the changes that they made for COVID protocol purposes was anytime there was a doubleheader, both games um, would be played uh, for seven innings instead of nine. Uh, the idea being, I guess, that you know you wouldn't have guys all next to each other for quite as long and you know people whose whose training was thrown out of whack because of uh the pandemic uh this would go easier on i mean just it's another version of the water breaks that they had in the premier league last mm-hmm. year so anyway they've continued the seven inning double headers into this season and last night uh a pitcher former giants pitcher jared's favorite team is the giants former giants pitcher uh madison bumgarner had a no hitter for the complete seven innings of yep. a leg of the doubleheader. Uh, so you would think that that would count as a no-hitter. However, Major League Baseball put out at the beginning of the year that if anybody were to get something like a no-hitter or a perfect game in one of these shortened games, it wouldn't count in the record books as a no-hitter. So Actually, I thought it was the rule that was in the early 90s, I think 91, where they said a team has to play nine innings for a no-hitter to be credited is the the, the rule of record here. But, well, yeah. but again, I guess my point is Major League Baseball is taking that rule and saying, look, even though we're yes. forcing these seven-inning games on you – and you as the applies. players are doing everything you can to achieve a no-hitter, and the game is concluded as planned, it's still not a no-hitter. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that happened to, to Mad Bum yesterday, 
And since he was a former, as I'm now learning, Giants pitcher, I was just trying to tweak Jared with that, <laughs> that reference. So <laughs> didn't work. Uh, so you know, anyway, uh, in the end, you had the big six uh, teams all back out of the Super League. That, of course, meant that the other teams had to back out. And so the ESL, the European Super League, is no more, at least for now. So it was a wacky 48 hours. Um, real quick before we take the halftime break, one other thing that happened uh, recently that's not quite Premier League but is relevant is the League Cup final happened on Sunday. The EFL Carabao Cup came to a conclusion with Manchester City meeting Tottenham Hotspur. This was the one chance for Spurs to get a trophy this year, uh, albeit now without Jose Mourinho in charge. But at the end of the day, Man City won, Tottenham Hotspur zero. Very one-sided match. Spurs had a whopping two shots, only one on target for the whole day. Uh, Harry Kane did play. He did. He did. Um, And I think he played the whole game. Um, they only had about 60% as many passes as Man City. They only had 37% of possession. Um, and the crazy thing is they had a chance because Ederson was not in goal for Man City. Um, but it turns out this has been the norm for Man City in these these cup games is they've played Zach Steffen of the United States men's national team in goal. I didn't know that. I never heard of the guy. He's like a Maryland grad, and, and he's on the USMNT, so good for him uh, getting a clean sheet. Uh, I will just note that, hey, knuckleheads, whoever are running Spurs right now, maybe if you had started Gareth Bale instead of just bringing him in off the bench, he would have done what he does, which is score goals. Mm-hmm. So that is all I'm going to say on this. And by the way, we were wondering why – teams were pre-playing their match week 33 games about a month ago except for this cup this is why okay it was spurs and man city and their opponents for match week 33 i knew they weren't doing it just to be arbitrary so yeah so that's that's why this past match week 33 we didn't see a spurs match we didn't see a man city Mm -hmm. match because they were playing in the efl final and their opponents fulham and somebody else from those match week 33 games likewise didn't play this weekend all right With that, we will take our halftime break, give you the scores from this past week and the upcoming schedule, and then we will go through some of the highlights from this past week. So hope you stick around because we will be right back. Here are your scores from this past week in the English Premier League. Spurs got a win against Southampton 2-1 in a makeup of their Match Week 29 meeting on Wednesday, while Manchester City topped Aston Villa 2-1 in a contest that saw both teams play with 10 men thanks to red cards. On Thursday, Leicester took care of business with a 3-0 win over West Brom, who appeared to be on a relegation free fall. Match Week 33 started Friday as Everton beat Arsenal 1-0 for the Toffees' first road win against the Gunners in 25 years. Saturday began with Liverpool and Newcastle drawing one goal apiece. One goal was enough for Chelsea to take its London derby against West Ham. Sheffield showed that it won't quit despite guaranteed relegation as the Blades won their match with Brighton 1-0. Sunday saw Burnley destroy Wolves 4-0 thanks to a Chris Wood hat trick. 
Leeds and Man United played 90 minutes with nobody finding the back of the net, and Aston Villa stole a draw against West Brom with a stoppage time goal to even the contest two goals apiece. The week wrapped up on Monday as Leicester beat Crystal Palace 2-1. Match week 34 starts Friday as Southampton hosts Leicester. On Saturday, Man City heads to the capital to take on Crystal Palace. Leeds visits Brighton, Chelsea and Fulham meet for the West London Derby at Stamford Bridge, and Aston Villa travel to Everton. Sunday sees Arsenal visit Newcastle, Manchester United hosts Liverpool, and Spurs face Sheffield at home. Things wrap up Monday with the Black Country Derby as Wolves meet West Brom at the Hawthorns while Burnley hosts West Ham. That's what's happening in the EPL. Now back to the show. And we are back, so let's get at it with the matches from this past week, and we're going to get started with Spurs hosting Southampton. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if you noticed, Mike, there were a lot of red cards this week. Um, Yes. Usually there's just under one a week on average. Historically, we had four this week, and it very easily could have been five or six. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll go through some of those. But, um, yeah, on Wednesday there was a match 29 makeup game, uh, Tottenham hosting Southampton. Ryan Mason is taking over, uh, at least for now, uh, for Tottenham, who are still trying to last-minute push for a potential berth. Um, Kane is out, uh, Bale is in, um, and uh, Sohn is starting front and center. So, Yoris with a couple of tough, tough saves early on. Um, In the 30th minute, Danny Ings gets Southampton on the board with a header off a corner just inside the far post and in the net. How did he generate any power on that header? I don't know. Or it, at least as much as he did. It was like a, a just a subtle deflection. That he was just, a mile away, yeah, too. It was um, It was really an impressive header. Yeah. Um, 60th minute show favorite, Gareth Bale, with sort of a delayed, nice far post bender for the equalizer. Did you see that? He brought that down all alone. Just that was kinda, beautiful. Yeah, just kind of sat there. Looks like he almost took out his calculator or yeah. held his finger up to test the wind and had the time to put it in right where it needed to go. It was very so. Ward-Prowseian. Yeah. But again, uh, Bale starts, he scores. Yeah. You, you would have think you would have thought that Ryan Mason would have learned something last when was this last Wednesday this match, I think. Yeah. And and taken that to Sunday's League Cup final, but no. No. Um the 75th minute Sohn seems to have a goal of his own, but um with everyone on side, but VAR takes a look at it, and Lucas Mora is called for visually impairing the view of keeper McCarthy on the zone shot. So the goal is actually taken off the board. Um, what do you think of that call? I don't know. Those obstruction ones are always a little confusing to me. What did you think? I I couldn't see it, like with the lines, but when it got to obstructing the goalie like you say i'm like wow yeah what am i going to say about that you know what what line can you superimpose on the field now to account for that (laughs) so yeah that's definitely going to be the judgment call of the ref yeah um and the 86th minute there was sort of an interesting sequence down by the southampton goal area um a southampton handball in the box is not called which i did agree with it's just sort of a che adams header about two feet away, right into the arm of Vestergaard. I really don't think there's anything to be done about that. Certainly no advantage to be exploited by no. um, Southampton. Right after, though, on the subsequent clear attempt, uh, Genepo goes in hard on a challenge on Regulon, right on the penalty box line. So they take a look at this one for several minutes, and because the challenge occurred, you know, or the point of physical contact was right on the penalty box line, a penalty kick is awarded for Tottenham which zone converts for the 2-1 lead and the eventual win. So 
Um, you know, don't look now. Tottenham's in sixth, but they're only three points out of third. Um, so if you can believe that, I is that still the case, or is that an as of? Because I, I don't. I thought they fell to seventh after everything was said and done this weekend. I may have to look at it, and also Leicester's playing now, so true. Um, but uh, you know, just finish strong. That's all you can really ask from them. But I think they're really going to be kicking themselves for all those late goals they've given up this oh, year. Oh, I assure you. I mean, it, there's a, an element of, hey, look at this, a a, a reverse Spursy yeah, result, yeah. but a little too little too late, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, and then we go back to match day 32. So we had Villa hosting Man City. Uh, this turned out to be the red card derby, or I guess the red carby, yeah. if you want to call it the red carby. <laughs> um, so Sounds Mc- like a breakfast cereal. <laughs> Some red carbies. Red carbies. Um, again, gets Villa on the board instantly. And I, I mean, within 20 seconds, seconds yeah, or 20 seconds of the, the, the whistle. So that erased all those fantasy clean sheets people were counting on. Um, and sort of a, a wild ride begins here. Um, the 22nd minute, though, Man City equalizes on some nice passing and an equally effective finish from Phil Foden, uh, 1-1 at that point. And then just before halftime, uh, Silva with a nice volley cross to a Rodrigo head, and Man City takes the 2-1 lead. Um, and again, right before halftime, Ramsey with an opportunity down the left side, but John Stones comes over and attempts a steal but he arrives late and knee-high and gets the yellow card for the bad challenge. Now, VAR takes a look at this and changes it to a red card for the high location and the stud's first approach. That's the first red card of John Stone's EPL career. Yeah, it, it was it was high. It was high. I didn't have a problem yeah, with it. I mean, you could you could make an argument that, well, yeah, so was the ball, but uh, yeah, I'm not seeing that. I, I will note, like... When they flashed the lineup of this game, or, or like as you're watching it, like, I forgot how many good players City have. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. just, oh, Rodri, that's right, they have him. He's really good. Yeah. Oh, Kyle Walker, this is, you know, this is the every <laughs> other Saturday that Kyle Walker will play. That's right, he's good. Oh, Bernardo Silva, haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. It's like, they just keep rolling out these studs. Um, so, Man, Man City's a, a man down, so Villa should be able to to keep this man advantage and maybe turn the game around, right, Mike? What do you think? Um, <laughs> not no. so much. Right after halftime, Matty Cash uh, gives the ball away to Phil Foden, uh, sort of with uh, and makes an errant attempt to give it back, but tackles him uncleanly near the, the, the sideline for the obvious yellow card. The problem was that was his second yellow card in minutes, I think the announcer yeah. said. Um, so it's an even strike now for both clubs from that point on. And that would really be it. Um, 2-1 is the final in this one for Man City. Man City is 10 points up with five to play, so they're looking yeah. like they've got this thing buttoned up. Matty Cash may have to go into the uh, uh, goon list with some of our it some is. of our other favorites. Cause, like, he, he definitely has a goon name, well. Matty Cash. That's... <laughs> That's a goon name for sure. He's got six yellows, yeah, and one red made of two yellows, yeah. So you know he's he's picking a fair number of fights here. That I don't know. It's certain neither of the two yellows were necessary tackles mm-hmm. in this game. So I felt like the second one was retribution for stupid play on his part because he basically had it stolen, you know. By yeah, I agree. Yeah, but that's not goonish. good. Yeah, not good. <laughs> not good at all. Um, 
So then we move to Friday, which starts match day 33. Uh, we had Arsenal hosting Everton. Um, only four shots on goal in this one. It was a little on the snoozy side. We've discussed a particular rare topic uh, earlier this year, and that is specifically the keeper-owned goal, uh, which would be relevant in this one. Mm. Uh, also, Burnt Leno is back uh, in goal after our old friend Matt Ryan was in last week. Matt so Ryan might be coming back. <laughs> he may be coming back. We'll see. Um, and Arsenal has no Obama Yang, no Lacazette. So who's going to score for them this week? I, you know, their their uh, their mm. their power is is, is missing. So right, right after halftime. Uh, Richarlison with sort of a bad challenge on Ceballos on the penalty cock. Excuse me? Yikes. Penalty box. <laughs> Sorry. And the <laughs> the penalty the penalty kick is issued for Arsenal. So I guess we're going to get our answer on who's going to score for Arsenal. I looked at the replay. The contact from Richarlison was questionable at best, but VAR takes another look at this, and it appears that Pepe was offsides on the approach before the foul. So there's no penalty kick. Um... The game remains nil-nil hell, uh, heading into the 76th minute when Richarlison has a nice run down the right side that ends up pretty close to the end line with no real angle on anything. Uh, takes the shot anyway. He doesn't really have a chance to score, um, and there's no real, real no way it can go in, but Burnt Leno mishandles it, and it winds up going in anyways for the Burnt Leno own goal. So, as you said, are we ready to bring back Matty Ryan yet? Yeah. I don't I'm not 100% sure that Richarlison was shooting because he did have uh, Calvert-Lewin, I think it was. Uh, Coming in. Yeah. Okay. So, so it might may have been, been one of those kind of blind, you know, like, oh, I hope somebody's going to yeah, be Yeah, I there. got nothing here, so yeah. someone else take it, yeah. 1-0 uh, Everton is the final in, in this one. Um, Saturday we had Liverpool hosting Newcastle. So uh, Newcastle, I think, with anything other than a loss here, can sort of write their ticket to EPL safety uh, next season. They've been playing really well. Um, Liverpool just dominated this one stats-wise, uh, 66% possession, 20-plus shots. Sort of a pair of bookend goals tell the tale of this one. Um, Mo Salah in the third minute brings it down uh, with his back to the goal and whips a shot around and sort of rifles it near post for the 1-0 Liverpool lead. Really nice finish there. It was pretty. Yeah, very pretty. Uh, and it's looking like Liverpool's going to eke this one out, but uh, there was quite a, quite a four minutes of stoppage time at the end. Uh, first, there was sort of a powerful run by Callum Wilson. He basically just goes by and through everyone, including Liverpool keeper Allison. Uh, the ball goes into the net, but it appears that the final ricochet hit Wilson's arm, so the goal doesn't count. So that's pretty devastating for uh, Newcastle on that one. Yeah, I, I'm kind of torn on that call, too. Like, I, I, I understand that this is a... This is a little bit different than just the straight, unnatural position, intent kind of thing that, that you get this added element of uh, you can't sort of direct a shot into goal when the last thing it touched was your mm -hmm. you know, arm or hand or whatever. So uh, there's that extra layer of analysis for it, but, you know, there was nothing he could have done to prevent the ball hitting his, there was his upper arm. I mean, it was, was just, it was coming up, you yeah. know. Um, fortunately, though, it didn't matter because um, at 95.05, uh, of four minutes of stoppage time, Joe Willick puts one on the net, and this one does count for the equalizer. So 1-1 draws the final here, just a, a huge draw for the Magpies. Uh, they are now nine points out of relegation with five to play. So they are looking pretty good there. Yeah, they should be okay. 
Two to one, Leicester City now playing Crystal Palace. Uh, Ian Acho just uh, scored to put Leicester up 2 1. Well, yeah. um, I think we've broken Vardy by adding him to our fantasy okay. team. I suggested Ian Acho. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> um, also on Saturday, we had West Ham hosting Chelsea. So these are both teams. I think they're four and five. Uh, they're sort of fighting for that final Champions League berth. Um, right before halftime, Timo Werner gets Chelsea on the board. Um, this actually really turned out to be the Timo Werner show, uh, show. He got, you know, just the one goal, but it seemed like every offensive opportunity, he was either taking a shot or creating space. I mean, I was hearing his name a ton. Mm-hmm. Um so we've mentioned a few red cards this week. I didn't really have any issue with any of them. Uh, in the 80th minute, though, this was a BS call. Yeah. It, just complete BS. Um, Balbuena for West Ham is simply creating a play from his half of the field. He's has complete control of the ball, and he makes sort of a long volley pass up the right side of the field. Chilwell comes across and tries to block the pass with his leg. As such, Balbuena's studs hit the upper leg of Chilwell, and VAR takes a look at this for a serious foul play. I'm not sure who said it. I think it was one of the announcers, but they, they sort of shrewdly point out, you know, what's he supposed to do with his leg? Um, yeah, it was Lee Dixon. The, the, Lee Dixon. Color that, commentator. Yeah. yeah, and he's exactly right. Like, if, if you kick, your foot is then going to come down. The, yeah. This is, you know... Sir Isaac Newton pointed this out to us. This there was no way that he was going to avoid it, and that leg, the Chilwell leg that he ended up stepping on, was not there when he kicked the ball. Yeah, it's like right. Chilwell put himself in the position of anything. You know that that whole sentiment of you know what was he supposed to do with his insert appendage here? I seem to have that a lot on yeah. fouls. You know, mostly with arms, but but still. Yeah, yeah, that was that was bogus. Um, VAR confirms the red card for Balbuena. Uh, it was his first EPL start of the season, too. Mm. So it's a rough rough call for him. Um, the highlights didn't have it, but is this the game where you were saying Mendy had the last-minute yellow card uh, as well that pro- yeah. possibly screwed us out of three points? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't uh, think it did uh, yeah. when all was said and done. Um, but uh, he was able to hold his, his clean sheet, but he just he surrendered a point because yeah. of a late yellow card. <laughs> Doesn't look like it's going to matter uh, – Jordan I has been taken out of this game, so uh, he needed to to have a, an explosion of goals in order for us to lose this week. So it looks like we're going to be okay this week and break our god four game losing like streak. Yeah, four, three or Which, four. Just take a side. It, we have a winning percentage of like six sixty seven, mm-hmm. which is pretty good That's in good. any kind of competition, and it's good enough for third place and yeah four games back of first. So. Uh, goes to uh, show you, we're just we'll how do, good we'll of a better record next one time. needs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one nil for Chelsea here. Um, Sheffield hosting Brighton, so I'm not going to go too much into deal, detail on this one. But Brighton, I mean, they should get a free three points at the end of the season here uh, to help you know stay in the league. What do you think, Mike? So just a handout of three points. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sheffield's not a good team, but. Um, no, uh, just a McGoldrick goal in this one, and the Blades take it 1-0. Um, I think you know Brighton misses a huge opportunity to basically seal up the bottom three teams in a nice little package with a bow and ship them out of here. Um, Credit to Sheffield for not yeah. you know hanging it up and, and phoning it in, whatever euphemism you want to use. I mean, they came out and played. Yeah, absolutely. 
I did want to make one comment here about Brighton before moving on, though. So let's just say that things finish up as they are now and Brighton escapes with a 17th place finish where they are now. They will have finished in exactly 17th place in two of their last three seasons. I, you know, how many more times can they cheat wow, death here? Wow, that is... Um, you know, that's... Cheating death, I think, is the right euphemism there. <laughs> Uh, we move on to Sunday. I think we're just going to cover uh, two more of the games. So Wolves hosting Burnley. So this was the Chris Wood show. Um, yeah. It was also a memoir by Adama Traore entire, uh, entitled How I Shoved Jack Cork in the Face and Stayed in the Game. That's, I don't know how he did. I don't either. Um, so Chris Wood with a hat trick before halftime. That was his first hat trick, I think, in seven and a half years. Um, so congratulations to him. Uh, but we got to talk about what happened in the 37th minute here. Um, and the whole sequence was complicated by the fact that the announcer kept claiming the Wolverhampton player in question was Jose. Um, Podence. Yeah. And, and he mentioned him several times throughout. It was not, though. You're right. I mean, it was number 10, Daniel Podence. So, uh, anyways, Traore puts uh, a cross from the right side to Podence. He and Brownhill both go up for it, and in the process, Podence rotates parallel to the ground and sort of lands squarely. Uh, he remains down, sort of writhing around while the play continues for quite a while. I think it was 15, 20 seconds. Um, and then, uh, you know, the ball eventually goes out, so the players head over to check on Podence. Well, the first player to arrive is Burnley defender Tarkowski, who gives him a couple of, hey, get up, faker, you know, touches <laughs> on his side. <laughs> So this understandably upsets the wolf pack, and everyone starts getting close and tight, and then the pushing and shoving starts. Um, so the skirmish eventually subsides, but VAR is taking a long look at an incident during where Adama Traera uses an open hand to shove the lower face and the neck of Jack Cork to the point where it moves him quite a bit. Now, I don't have a dog in this fight at all, mm. um, but what I do care about is consistency. So... Let's head back into the Wayback Machine again. Mm. Uh, we're going to go to match day four this season. Man United hosting Tottenham in a game I'm sure you remember, Mike. It was 6-1 Tottenham uh, winning at, at on the road at Man United. Yeah. I think Soane had a couple of goals. Kane had a couple of goals. The incident I want to mention here is the red card to Martial. Um, it was on a corner kick, and he made some light face contact to Eric Lamella. Um, so during that play, the announcers were basically saying, it sucks, but light or hard, you can't intentionally make face contact. Right. Now, my point is, if Martial's antics uh, are a red card, then the Traore face shove certainly is. I don't think you're, you're off base here. And in fact, didn't we, have, um, didn't we have a moment a week or two ago? Uh, yeah, Scott McTominay popped Sone in the face in... <laughs> in the, the more recent Spurs-Man United match two weeks ago. So, um, and uh, McTominay, I'm pretty sure, um, oh, the, well, that was that was just a foul that waved off a goal. Um, yeah. he, didn't get, he didn't get a red card for it, but um, it, they called a foul. Yeah. <laughs> there was at least that. You know, but... Treyor does escape with just the yellow card, so you know whatever. My my rant is over, but I just like to see a little bit more consistency and yeah, in that, you know. And he, he clearly was 
in, intending to do it. Oh, I mean, yeah. At least the McTominay yeah. thing was in the midst of a play, and you know, you, you sort of spin really quick, and your hands might go out and, and slap somebody who's nearby. Yeah, that was in the middle of, or the, the Trary one was in the middle of a mini brouhaha. Right. You know, so. Um, Chris Wood did have a possible fourth goal. Uh, instead, dished it out to Ashley Westwood for the 1 0 Burnley win. So, Burnley, I think, moves up to 14th. Um, you know, big, big road win for them. Yeah. That's. Uh, Getting a hat trick in the first half. That's that's impressive. That's some yeah. good living. Um, we also had uh, Villa hosting West Brom on Sunday. So I think we all pretty much agree here. West Brom needs to win out to have any chance. they yes. got to run the table. Yes. Um, no question there. It does not start well for them early on. Um, Ajayi uh, sort of runs down Ross Barkley in the penalty box for the Villa penalty kick. Um, El Ghazi converts for the 1-0 Villa lead. Things do turn around for West Brom, though. They get a, a penalty kick of their own shortly after. Um, it was a little more questionable call on Villa defender Konza. I think the contact was around the ankle of uh, Maitland Niles. It was light and very brief, um, but the penalty kick is issued, which Pereira converts for the equalizer. And then right after halftime, uh, Konza is making the defensive play but slips to his sort of butt. Um, leaving the ball in you know a pretty open lane for West Brom. Uh, Dina grabs it, takes a shot that appears to be going wide, but Mings, who's hustling back to help, slides and puts it in himself yeah. for the uh, Villa own goal. Um, so 2-1, 2-1 West Brom at that point. Um, and then it stays 2-1 into stoppage time, and things are looking good for West Brom to close out the three points, but then calamity strikes. Um, a Watkins header... Uh, to no one in particular, really, but Bartley, Johnstone, and Keenan Davis all sort of converge on it. Davis ov- obviously having the directional advantage and puts it in for the equalizer. Now, I think Bartley made a bad judgment there. Um, the ball was chest high, but that doesn't mean your only recourse on defense is a chest trap. I would like to have seen him get down with his head, get some mm-hmm. a little more power on it to get it out of there. Yeah. Um, 2-2 is in the final on that one, and I might say those lost two points, uh, that could be the nail in the coffin for West Very Park. well could be. Um, and, you know, the, the the Big Sam factor doesn't seem to have really changed anything for, yeah. for West Brom, anything of any consequence. Um, you know, my two big takeaways from this match, number one, uh, Emmy Martinez is a really good goalie. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's really good. Yeah. Um, you know, the... the Okay, so he gave up two goals today. Well, mm, he gives up a penalty to Pereira. And, oh, by the way, he read Pereira right and went the right way. He just went low. Pereira went high. Yep. Um, Martinez still was able to get a paw up um, to try to stop it, even though the ball was over his head. Um, And the other was that own goal with Mings that nobody could have stopped. Yeah, what are you going to do about that? So... Um, but my other takeaway, did you did you notice they play the Black Sabbath classic Paranoid at Villa Park when they score? I did not. I didn't notice that until this game. I'm like, that's a great song to play. I mean, I, I know the um, Spurs play uh, Darude by Sandstorm, right? Like, that's the one I think I remember oh, off the top of my head. I'd have but. to check into that. I don't know that one off the top of my head, but um, I was impressed by that. Um, so in, in discussing the, uh, the potential relegation for West Brom, I think it's only appropriate that we recognize the promotion that's going to be coming Watford's way. They have clinched second in the championship. So 
They'll be coming up along with Norwich and whoever wins the, the playoff in the championship. So congratulations to Watford. Yeah, in fact, the the three through six teams right now are pretty much locked in too. Um, yeah. Just a single point separates them. So Brentford, uh, Brentford, Bournemouth, Swansea, and Barnsley are all going to enter that mini tournament. We'll see who comes out of it. Cool. I did um, one final note that I think is interesting. Um, I normally don't care to report on championship league relegation, but if you remember, we did a, a short segment earlier this year on Sheffield Wednesday and their fiscally-based punishment of right. 12 uh, table points appealed down to six. Right now, they've got two games left to play, but they are currently in a relegation position, and those six points are the difference oh. between relegation and safety. Well, so that'll yeah. teach you. Yeah. Um, now one one other note on Watford. Uh, Nigel Pearson got sacked. He was their manager when they were last in the Premier League. Get fired. Uh, so they got a new guy whose name we're going to have to figure out how to pronounce because his first name, this is the current manager of Watford, his first name is spelled X-I-S-C-O. What? Zisco, maybe? Zisco. Zisco would be my guess. All right. Yeah. So Zisco Munoz is, is currently the manager of Watford. So, again, congratulations to those guys. And while we're doling out congratulations, a quick congratulations. This is news. A quick congratulation to the first two inductees to the Premier League Hall of Fame. Just came out today. Uh, Thierry Henry and Alan Shearer are the first two inductees, and I guess they've got about 23 or so other nominees, and some more are going to be inducted soon. So uh, I think that's pretty cool thing for them to have and now that we've got about 30 years of premier league history that's long enough to start filling out a hall of fame it so, is yeah pretty cool all right with that we will wrap things up we appreciate you tuning in we don't have a show if not for you so thanks for listening and please be safe the rest of the week enjoy the games coming up and we will talk at you next time have a great week everybody <laughs>